two, check one, check two. Awesome. All right. We'll see if I can do this the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. I ain't going to do that. All right. All right. Can we hear me? I'm a little quiet. Can we turn me up just a little bit more? Hello, hello, hello. Sound good? Can you guys hear me okay? Still a little quiet? All right, I'll move it a little closer. How's this? Right there? All right. That's what you get when you get these mics. Okay. Oh, let's see if I can do this. Sit still. Um, that is something that's really hard for me. Okay, so now that we've had that little distraction... You guys are ready? We're talking about the, um, the pillars that we mentioned, but we didn't talk about. Who's ever thought about these pillars that you, you hear, you read about them in the scriptures? They're in there. Who's thought about them before? You know, everyone's just like, no, I did. Turn the phrase. I didn't worry about it. What do you think of them? Now that I broached the subject, what's your thoughts? Okay, we got plastic pillars now. All right, so <clears throat> that is true. But um, the pillars were these things that held up in the, the cosmos, the way they viewed the earth. They were these things that held up the earth and the rakia, the sky. So these things were things that held it up. They were... Um, we see them in different places, like Job chapter 26, verse 11, where it says, The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at, its re at the, his reproof. Um, pillars, the word for pillars used in Judges to describe the supports of the house. Um, in the pillars in uh, Exodus are used to refer to the tabernacle pillars and Solomon's pillars at Solomon's temple in 1 Kings. Um, poetically, Proverbs 9.1 uses pillars to refer to wisdom. But um, we've met the, these things that in the, the Egyptian, the Hebrew cosmos, remember you had this rakia, the dome across, and you had the sun and the stars, and the waters above and, and the waters below, and you held up these, these pillars, held up the, the stuff. Now, we see similar things in Egyptian and Mesopotamian literature. Um, in Egyptian uh, literature, um, we see, um, well, in the Hymn of Victory, uh, the III says, I see... The glory of thee, the fear of thee in all the lands, the terror of thee as far as the four supports of heaven. Um, ancient Near East text. Um, so we see things in Middle Kingdom, which... 
I'm not going to get into Egyptian uh, dynasties and how the history goes. You guys can look that up. That's 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 another day, or multiple years. Uh, <laughs> but um, we'll say just Middle Kingdom coffins, which are are um, some of the most well known literature in Egyptian uh, mythology. The Dead Seas, the Book of the Dead Seas, the um, the um, um, there's this um, repulsing. It's it, there's a text called "Repulsing the Dragon," which the text um, uses the Western mountain name Baku that supports the heaven. And the serpent lives there, who tries to swallow or destroy the sun. It reads, "I know that the mountain of Baku upon the sky leans, O crystal." It's 300 rods at length, 120 rods its width on the east of its mountain of Sobek, Lord of Baku, uh, of the Carnelian. In his temple on the east of the mountain is a serpent 30 cubits in length. Um, now, there's a lot of things that I'm not going to talk about there because that's Egyptian mythology. Uh, really interesting study, the study of Sobek. Um, but... Um, but we see in but what you do see is in the Egyptian mainframe, the the earth, the sky is held up by mountains, two mountains, one on either side of the globe. There's two there's mountains that hold up the sky. Um, is that just because it appears that the mountains touch the sky? Yeah, yes. Uh, well, if you go back to the way um, most ancient cosmologies work, there was an end to the earth. Uh, Egyptian, I mean, even we even talk about how many sailors at one point in our, our history talk about the earth being flat. Um, of course, there's still people today that think the earth is flat. Um, yeah, I saw that roll your eyes. Uh, <laughs> um, but... Um, we have that, um, that mindset, and that's something that they see. And so if the earth is, if there's a, a dome above the, the earth, and, and that's something that ancient Mesopotamians believed, ancient Egyptians believed, and the Hebrews believed, that rakia, then there's something that has to be holding it up. And there's the, in ancient Egyptian, it was mountains that held it up. Um, and yes, it probably did have to do, they look off in the sky, side, and they see the mountains, and it looks like it touches the sky, and... And that's probably how they came up with the stories. You know, the, there's a mountain out there that touches the sky. Um, you know, but you know, at, at one point in our history, the idea of climbing extreme mountains, like let's say Mount Everest, was something that was unfathomable. You couldn't do it. Um, just we didn't have the technology, the experience, the gear. The um, you know, these were things that were un you know, unconquerable. Um, so yeah, so you see that um, in ancient Egyptian, uh, ancient uh, Arcadian literature, um, there's also Gilgamesh. I remember we talked about Gilgamesh way back in lesson two, maybe. <laughs> We're on 12 now. It was, I think, lesson two or something like that. Um, and he talks about two mountains that, um, that the peaks reached the vault of the heavens. Um, when he arrived, the mountain range of Mashu, which daily kept watch over the sun, 
rise and set, whose peak reached into the heaven vaults, and whose breast reached to the netherworlds below. Um, Ugaric literature also has two mountains. This is very common. Um, in Greek mythology, something mo few more of you are, are familiar with, Greek mythology, that's something that a lot more people are common in common. I think it's because they used to teach Greek literature in school. Um, but uh, Herodotus, the, the Greek historian, uh, kind of sarcastically writes, the natives say that this mountain called Atlas is the pillar of heaven. Uh, the mountain is so high that they thought it would reach the heaven and held up the sky. So, um, um, but you remember Atlas was the the Titan that held up the the Earth, and, the, um, and so there was a mountain called Atlas that, that they viewed as is holding it up. That was the Titan on on legs. And um, but as I was thinking, I, you know, when I was thinking about these these pillars. I was thinking about the Hebrew Bible, and um, and see the Hebrew Bible never like these other ancient texts. Um, we've 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 talked about how they are similar, but God is the absolute ruler of the um, in the Bible. And um, he's bigger than all the other Elohim, right, that they talk about. And so we have in the Hebrew Bible something that's different. See, like there's no mountain holding up the sky that's roots there. There's these pillars. And the Bible never... Never tells us they, they we, we uh, never tells us what holds up these pillars. It's not something they thought they they, they didn't they answered. Um, there's a, a text, uh, Robin Perry, um, which I quoted I think last time. So if you're interested in good reads, he's got some good stuff out there. You can read some of it for free on uh, uh, academia.edu. Uh, great place to get academic journals and stuff like that, if you're interested in that kind of stuff. Um, they haven't have an app. That's where I, I read it all on my app. Um, but uh, he says, and I'm going to read a quote from you from uh, Robin Perry. He says, we have seen the biblical cosmos. The earth is flat. It is held in place by pillars. We might well ask, but what does the pillar standing on? The biblical authors never ever tried to answer the question. Had they done so, they would have certainly not been uh, appealing to an eternal regression of pillars upon pillars. Here we may recall the obscure comment in the book of Job. God hangs the land upon nothing. That's Job 26, 7. The pillars, we might say, are suspended over nothing. How interesting is that? Pillars supported... Well, if pillars are going to work, they have to be over something. That's how pillars work. They hold one thing up against another thing. But in Job, the, 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 uh, 
God hangs the land upon nothing. Yep, there's you. There's it right there. So we say, we say, so why don't they drop? Because says Job, God suspends them there. For the biblical authors, the pillars speak simply of the stability of earth. The earth is utterly dependent on God. Not just for being, but also for every moment of its existence. The universe does not ground itself. It does not explain its own being. To speak of the earth's pillars is not a primitive physical claim, but a profound metaphysical one. And I love this. What he's doing here is he's saying, you know, like we, we talk about the pillars, but he's, he's making the Bible in there, they're not making a physical claim, you know, like, you know, like this is how the world is and stuff like that. That's something that we can't, we can't, in our modern world, we can't make that jump. But what we can see here is they're trying to say that the entire stability of all the land, of all the sky, of everything that keeps the chaos away is totally dependent on God. Uh, you know, uh, physics has another word for this. We're all heading towards entropy, destruction, the end. And the only thing that keeps it away, according to the biblical mindset, is God. He's the one who does it. Uh, he's the one who creates stability. Uh, and I think that's very helpful as I think about this. This, Like when I read the Bible and I start thinking of the pillars that are the, holding the land up, I think it's very helpful to think about this. It's God. He's the one who holds those pillars in his hand. What are they saying on there? And, and of course, um, as I, I think about uh, just how fragile it all is, you know, um, you know, much of our existence, our, our personal time, is our waking hours are generated to create stability in our own lives. I mean, we work to create some sort of stability. We have housing, straight something. We form family units and friendships, and to gather up some kind of um, stability. And uh, and so we get this illusion of stability, but in the most part, it's 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 so fragile. Uh, we might say standing on a nice edge. <laughs> Um, but we, so we could say the whole cosmos is held together by God's stability. He's the one who keeps the flood, the, the abyss away. He's the one that keeps the chaos away, but only in, in, in our personalized list, right? Um, we are sustained. Our own personal stability comes only from God. And it's all so fragile. So our, uh, we're all, our, our own stability depends on, on the one who's greater than us. 
I think that's amazing. And so when I read Genesis chapter 1, I think of this, the pillars holding up the sky, the rakia, and holding up the land, and, and how beautiful that is. It's all being held together at bay because God. All that darkness and chaos and sea being held back because the snakes, those chaos dragons, all held, being held at bay. Of course, that's granted we don't become chaos dragons ourselves. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Um, but it's God. Yeah, it's God that's holding pillars. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it's God holding those pillars up. There's just, uh, God holds them over nothing. Um, the formlessness. And it's just God holding them there. That's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> um, Yeah. Did they think that getting across the equator meant they're getting close to the edge? Probably. Um, but I don't know how far back those traditions go. Personally, I've not done much research on that. Um, so I'd have to say I have no idea, to be honest with you. But um, I would say it probably had something to do with the idea of an equator and the, the, the setting is actually relatively, I say that in human history, <laughs> you know, as far as human history is concerned, relatively new, you know, in the last, uh, you know, 600 years, you know. Um, so that would be pirates, huh? You, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, what they would have been thinking, but I would say it was probably something to do with the, the gods, the sea gods, and pissing the storms, and and uh, getting too close to the edge and stuff like that. But I, I really don't have any expertise in that matter, so I couldn't answer that one fully. But isn't there like three or four, four places in the Bible that talks about like the Babylonians building something to the heavens? The, the Tower of Babel is where they build it to the, ha the heavens. The Egyptians, weren't they trying to do pyramids that would touch the heavens? Uh, we don't know about that. Um, that one's another subject, what the pyramids were trying to touch. They were definitely mimicking the heavens. That's for touching the heavens. I don't know. Um, listen, to the authors of, of the chariots, uh, the, you know, they thought they were landing pads for the aliens. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, well, actually, if you go back, and we'll talk about this if we ever get to um, a Tower of Babel section. We already talked, briefly mentioned it when we were in the intro to Old Testament. Um, they believe that there was a portal at the top. How many of you guys have seen the first Ghostbusters? Yeah, the first Ghostbusters, where they, they have the, 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 um, the building in New York City, and there's a it opens up and 
Zul. Zul comes in through the, 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 the portal that's there. That was actually, uh, it sounds funny, but the, auth- the, the writers of that actually took that, that idea from the Babylonian myths uh, and the ziggurats. So it's actually kind of a fun like, way we can relate that this is what they thought was actually doing at the top of those pyramids. The opposite of heaven in the Old Testament was called Sheol, and then it would be hell. In the New Testament. Sheol is basically the opposite of heaven, but Sheol is basically evil, and basically heaven is basically good. Well, sort of. In the Old Testament, all people go to a place called Sheol. That's the... Um, the place of the grave. We call that the grave. Everyone goes to the grave. That's the Sheol. And the good, bad, all people go there. And then later on, we develop this idea of a hell where people that are good go to be with God in the place of delight. And the people that are bad or they go to a place of darkness or suffering. Um, we can talk about the debate on what that looks like another day. Um, but yes. Well, that depends on how you view the matter. Um, the idea of heaven, do you go, you, do we have, have that passage that Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradiso? Which, interesting enough, is the same word they use for the Garden of Eden in the Septuagint. There you'll be in Paradiso. So there is the idea that you're going to be in the Garden, the place where God is. That would be more like the idea of heaven, we would do. Um, And then Sheol is the place um, where the grave is. A lot of people have kind of worked out kind of this dichotomy. We're really off subject here, but that's okay. Um, Where they think of Sheol was pre-Christ. Everyone went there. And then after Christ, you got divided up. Um, And so a lot of people have gone that route. Obviously, I'm not dead. I don't know the right answer for this. Uh, (laughs) Um but um, but we do have, in the Greek way of thinking, which is probably what Jesus was originally, a lot of the people there, because he would have been using this parable, he's speaking there, he would have been using words that they would understand. They, in the Greek mythology, all people went to the afterlife. It was on one big plane, and... There was a place for the good people and a place for the bad people and space in between, and it was but it was all on one level. So, um, you know, so some people think that Abraham's bosom was in Sheol and the place of suffering was in Sheol, as we talk, um, as we divide that up. But we, that's one of those things that we just there's. Unfortunately, the Bible just does not give us enough information on this because we have both the idea of Sheol and heaven and hell and 
people going to hell and people going away and just ceasing to exist there you know that you know that don't go to paradise so all these ideas are being wrapped up into the bible and you can pull different ideas out of it so what you choose to focus on the per, the verses you choose to emphasize matters how you're going to view it and so like one person may emphasize this verse over this one and one person may emphasize this one over this one but no matter what you're doing you're emphasizing one over another because there's both ideas in the scriptures. And so it makes it very kind of confusing. Um, the reality is what we do know. Jesus comes back, establishes a new heaven, new earth. We know that. We know that hell is not mentioned there. There's that was new heaven, new earth. We do know that those only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. So that there's a way not to be in heaven. So we know certain things. These things are fact. But what exactly that looks like, well, we can argue those points. Yes. And see, what they th we think there is the dead is, and that's found in Thessalonians. Um, and so we're, we're talking about what a lot of people think. Like I said, I'm not, there's, there's no way of knowing exactly what that means. But what they think is that the people in Sheol that were Old Testament, that were followers of God, Yahweh, will rise first. And then the rest of us. But those people will get to rise first because they're still in Sheol. And we see in Revelations the dead cry out from Sheol. So there's still at least something down in Sheol. Now whether we get to go to Sheol first and then go to... We can, we, we can argue that I, we don't know. There's no way we can know that. We're not dead. <laughs> says you'll be in paradiso. Doesn't necessarily mean heaven. It means paradise, which takes us back to Genesis chapter 2, the Garden of Eden, the place where God is. So it... Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> It's, yeah, we, we're putting an emphasis on a belief system that we've developed, and we think that's the way it should be. That's the way we think it is. But if we're going to get academic about it, which is what I tend to do, yeah. we don't know. <laughs> either a new heaven and a new earth he was there but he was also not there all the time too because he came to the garden so he was also in his throne room in the heavens so I imagine he's going to create this place where he's where it's going to be restored so it's going to be um here hold on let me um let me see here. Let me see here. Let me see here. Yes, son. Well, I bring something up. What's up? Waters above the firmament? That is the, the waters of chaos that God separated and made a place for, for mankind. So chaos up here, chaos down here. 
And then there was a place where life can happen inside that. Probably not. Probably not. We're st- He's still young. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right, I have no blank pages here. Um, okay, so um, what I'm thinking here. Okay, so we have this. Um, why can I not have a blank page? There should be a blank page here. Ah. Blake, can I draw on that? Nope. Okay. Never mind. Um, we'll go back to this place. There's blank-ish spots here. Um, so the idea is the way I'm currently understanding it. Like I said, this is developing over time as I'm seeing stuff. Um, that at one time. God's space and man's space were one. Okay? And then as sin entered the world, we had God's space, uh, or sorry, man's space and God's space separate. And you had the, the place of, right here, the place where both, that would be like the temple, the tree, the, uh, uh, the tabernacle, Jesus Christ, are the places in between uh, where God and man are still are. With that division, uh, and so at some point it seems to me that we're going to try to go back to the first registration where it's God's space and one man's space are back together in one um, and that's what it means, new heaven and new earth, where it's restored back to the ideal found in Genesis chapter 1. That's my current understanding of it. Absolutely. <laughs> you were asking a question a lot of people have asked. Well, the idea is the heart of the matter, not just the animal sacrifice. Um, so how is your heart? Um, God has chosen in the, the, the Old Testament pattern that we see found in Genesis is that after time passes, God chose one person, Abraham, to start one family, to start one people group, to save the whole world, to bring back restoration. And what happens to all the people that, that you know, we accept, we, we accept Jesus Christ, and they don't accept Jesus Christ, and I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and what about all that? And the answer is, I don't have an idea. Uh, what we do know is that, um, is that we're not responsible for making any of those decisions. And I thank the Lord I'm not. 
So I usually just say, okay, I'm going to say truth to the Bible, and it says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and light, and I'll let him figure out the rest of that. <laughs> um, a lot of uh, people today, and there are lots of different viewpoints on that, but um, a lot of people will say things like, well, God can see into your heart what you would have decided if you would have been told and then that he'll base his decision off of that. I I don't know. I, I, I that sounds kind of fluffy to me, but uh the the reality is I don't know. And then we're not given enough information to know. We do know that he's the judge, not us, and so we will let him deal with it. And then we just say, God, I'm giving you my heart, and that's all we can say. All right, what, what time is it? Where are we at? Oh, well, we've used up most of my time. This definitely will not be finished today. Um, that's cool, that's cool. Let's go to Psalms 46. We're ready for Psalms 46. Um, like I said, we're going to take the roundabout way to get to the water. Um, Psalm 46. I don't know if many of you are flipping there or scrolling there. I love scrolls. Or the, you know, it's, if someone pulls out some scrolls, I'm... <laughs> uh, I'd love to get a set, yeah. Um, um, okay, so let's, let's go through this song. We're going to take our time with it. I doubt we finished today, but that's, you know, we'll see what we do. Um, for the choir director, a song to the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, uh, pause right there, uh, set to Alamoth. We don't know what that means. We have, there's many people that have offered suggestions, but when there's a lot of people that are arguing what that means, that means we don't know. <laughs> uh, so we don't really know what that means. Uh, as, you know, it's a song, uh, God is our refuge and strength, uh, a very uh, present help. Um, the way according to Alamoth, it, to me, it's pro in my personal reading of that, it might have been like the tune they used to sing it or, uh, you know, like saying, hey, this was to old McDonald's. You know, this is, this is to that bar hymn that you, you all know. Um, uh, what a martyr's fortress are we. Um, all right, um, God is our refuge and our strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, will we not be afraid? Through the earth trembles and the mountain topples into the depths of the sea. Though the water roars and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, shalah. You guys know what the word shalah represents? We really don't know. We really don't know. What we do know is it's used kind of like the word amen. 
it seems to be, and we don't know exactly, but it seems to be like you would read it as a congregation and you'd read part of it or sing part of it, and then the congregation would say Shalah. And so everyone would say Shalah. And, uh, and whatever it does, whatever it is, it's kind of a marker as you're reading through the Psalms to be like, hey, let's pause, take a moment, think about what we just read. Um, so, you know, if you're reading through the Psalms and you see that Shalah, it's like, hey, pause. Let's take a moment. This is a complete unit. Let's see what it says. And then let's move on to the next section and we'll see how that relates to it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very... Uh, pause. Okay, so in the French, it just flat out says pause, <laughs> which is awesome because that's... Uh, I'm, I'm with them there. I'm with, I'm with Star on this one. It's pause. <laughs> Uh, yeah, wait a minute. Think about this. Um, so this is so that, that's good. Um, we're going to uh, yeah. I'll, I'll try to keep up with my, my myself. Um, there is a river. Its delight, its stream, is delight in the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple. The earth melts when, when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Shalah. Come and see the works of the Lord who brings the devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease. Throughout the earth, he scatters bows and cuts spears into pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop fighting and know that I am God. Exult among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Shalah. Uh, this is a fun one. Um, you know, we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, even though the land shifts and the mountains slip into the seas, um, why? Because God's got these pillars that He's holding up the land. Uh, he's the one who stabilizes. Even though we have earthquakes and, and tsunamis and floods, and, you know, God's holding it. You know, uh, you know. That God's not falling asleep, even though dry land seems to be going back to the place of chaos. Um, uh, God hasn't fallen asleep. He's still, he hasn't lost control. Um, it might destroy our lives. Um, I mean, that's that's the whole book of Job, isn't it? That even though our lives get, I mean, he goes, I mean, he goes through what none of us wants to go through, right? Loss of all his kids and his, his sickness, his sores, and he's sitting there moaning, and his friends are like not very good friends. <laughs> well, that's not true. They do sit with him for a long time in his sorrow. So that's, I mean, they were at least that good a friend, and then they, they. Say all kinds of stuff that's, and his wife just cursed God and be dead with, done with it. Let's, uh, you know, that's 
course, you know, we don't really get her side of the story. You know, she's lost her kids too. You know, she's... Um, I'm not going there. <laughs> we could get into that debate another day. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, but... Uh, so there are three movements in this in the psalm. Um, each movement has a threat. What's the threat in each each of the movements? Go back and look. What's the threat in each each one of the movements? Okay, so I'm hearing things that happen, but what's the threat? Are you threat, threat, threat. 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 What's the threat in 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 the first section before the first shalah? Okay, turmoil, that's a good word. We have, let's, let's look, look about what's going on. We have, uh, let me bring up my green. Um, the earth is crumbling. Why would the earth be crumbling? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. What does the earth represent? Genesis chapter 1, we already talked about what is land. Stability, a place where mankind, where life can happen. It's a place away from the chaos. It's a, a place outside of the chaotic waters. So that is crumbling. We have here, we have the depths of the seas, the waters are rolling we have a chaos sea, a chaotic waters flooding back on. So the first set in this first one is this chaos going on. That's the first threat, chaos. The chaotic waters are returning. So he's saying, hey, there's this chaotic waters going on. That's the first threat. In the second section, go to the, the second, right before, the, from, from was it four to seven? Four to seven. What's the next threat? There you go. Nations are raging. So you have not only chaotic waters returning, you have the nations who are the chaos, who are, bringing, are acting as chaotic serpents and, and, and raging against the kingdoms. And so the third movement, which is the last section, after the, uh, so eight, eight and on. What's the the uh, what's the threat there? 
I heard end of the earth, but that doesn't seem to be actually what's going on here. Desolation on the earth, but what's causing the desolation? The wars. Wars seem to be going on. There's specifically wars going on. So the nations are raising, but there's also wars happening that's causing desolation. Remember that tohu vavohu back in Genesis chapter 1? A going back to the destruction, that wastelessness. That's what the imagery here we're getting here in Genesis in this psalm is it's Psalm 46 going back to that point. Uh, the, where this chaos waters, it's it's the um, you know human beings being an agent of chaos, and and so the chaos waters, the nations rebelling, and uh, the the stability of the dry land is at question, and so we have this uh, this idea that. Um, that these things are happening, but there's 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 God holding things together. But specifically, it says what what does it say? Where does it say it? Um, I just read it. Let me go back to the beginning here. God is our refuge and strength; therefore, the temples. Okay. Um, Right here in verse 4. But there is a river. It streams the light of the city of God. Um, here we have um, this image of a special city. Now, our first jump is probably to Jerusalem. This psalm was very likely written while Jerusalem was, uh, which Jerusalem was, is built on a hill, and it was probably while the Babylonians or the Assyrians were surrounding it with their armies. Um, and so it very well may have been written down after they were in exile. But um, we, but we do have this um, um, this the special city. I'm going to come back to this this one here. But uh, in the three in the, the the there's three things that are causing problems. There's the the chaotic waters, the 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 nations raising the wars. Um, but we also have um, salvation in each one of them. Uh, and I just don't jump to Jesus because Jesus is in the, I mean, we know Jesus is here, but he's not mentioned here. There's specific things that they talk about. Um, in the first moment, what is the unchangeable salvation in this moment? God, that's it. God himself. There you go. Don't make it hard. God himself. Um, in the first section... The uh, God himself, the unchangeable reality, uh, the word, it actually uses the word Elohim there. It is, God is God himself is there. He's the unchangeableness. Uh, in the second stanza, um, what's the 
who or what is the thing that is the salvation in the the what his works the river here we go eight Dwelling place in the Most High. What is the dwelling place of the Most High? See, the 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 the, the ancient Egypt, uh, Israelites would have automatically put something there. It wouldn't have been heaven. That's an, that's our way of thinking. The high, Most High, the place of the Most High, the holy dwelling place. What's the most? The high, I, I I make fun of this all the time in church. What's the dwelling place? Well, the ark is contained there. The temple. There we go. This is the temple. Remember, it was probably taking place after the before the, after tabernacle after the temple. So it's this is the temple. So the temple is a place of refuge. Um, it says holy dwelling place. Um, it doesn't use the word Jerusalem or temple, but it's the imagery that they would have been sparked with. Um, yeah, I'm forcing you to put yourselves into their shoes um, as their, their images. Um, so God is in the middle of the temple. And so when the dry land threatens and the chaotic waters of the first land, God himself guarantees stability. Um, and the second stanza where, where the nations are raging, God is dwelling as a place of stability. Um, and the third one... Um, What's, what, what about the third one? What's, what's, what's the, the threat in the third one? Wars, and what's the, what's the stability? God. I am God. Once again, it's God that's, that's I am God. Know that even though there's war, I'm stability. Know that I'm God. Um... Um, in um, mm. okay. Um, notice in um, what was it? Verse four. There it is. There's a a river that uh, streams delight. Uh, that brings joy into the city. Um, it's the um, this is the the eternal river that joy comes out into uh, out, comes out of the city because it comes from where God is. God, out of God flows the river of joy. Um, the um, the prophets get a glimpse of this in the city. Um, Ezekiel forty, verse chapter two, uh, in a vision of God, He took me to the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain, whose uh, south side were uh, were building that looked like a city. Um, so the vision, he's brought to a high mountain where he sees the new Jerusalem with a river flowing out of it. 
Um, and there, um, anyone know their history of Jerusalem? Is there a river flowing out of Jerusalem? No, there's not. Um, there's a stream, uh, a stream called the Pool of Sh- uh, Siloam. Um, it's a little stream where they could get water and hike up the hill, but uh, at no time did Jerusalem have a river flowing out of top of it. Um, so, um, so we have here God got a city where God, in the second stanza of this thing, he's um, he's he's out of God flows the the river of life, um, and it brings delight. Um, interesting enough, and I'll come back to this. I'm sure uh, the river it streams delight. Uh, delight is the same as in the Garden of Eden. Eden means delight. That's what I thought the time. I thought this sounds more like the Garden. It's a river. It streams delight of the city of God. It's that place. And God sits. The delight is the word Eden. Uh, um, but God himself is the guarantee that the waters don't sink back in. And um, so we have this cosmology uh, language in this, and it's doing some heavy-duty philosophy about the nature of human beings and the conditions of inherent instability and dry land and uh, insecurities um, as we go there. Um, All right, we're out of time. So we're going to come back to this psalm and Ezekiel. um, Not next week. Next week, you guys will all be here, but we won't be in here. We've got the Hallelujah Harvest Festival going on, and we're all going to be out there. Uh, So everyone's going to be here having a good time and helping out and passing out candy and playing games and all kinds of fun stuff. So we won't be in here. Um, So we will. So you guys are going to have to write some notes, put it in your mind, think about it during the time we're off. We're going to come back to this psalm. We're going to come back to Ezekiel. um, but we're really going to be talking about that city and the river. That's See, I told you we're going to get to the waters. So next week, we're actually going to talk about the water. Uh, not next week, the week after. We're actually going to talk about the water as we talk about it streaming the, from God. Um, and so I hope to talk about that, Jesus Christ, and baptism all, in, uh, all next week. And then, then after that, we've got... Image of God. I know we want to talk about the image of God still, and I still want to talk about seven. I might talk some more about heaven. But we only have two or three more subjects before we leave Genesis chapter one. So, um, <laughs> um, so. it goes faster after you get through the, this because then you go back and just say, oh, remember that? That was from that. Um, so, um, so yeah. Uh, all right. Um, let's pray and we will call it a day. You guys are anyways. So think of your questions, write them down, email them to me and I'll try to get you back to you or we'll just talk about it before we start next week. So, all right. Um,
But let's pray. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing, just gathering together, Lord. We ask that you speak to us, uh, just move without us, Lord. Help us to um, continue our lives just in study and after you and just rely on your stability and all this chaos that comes around, Lord, as we, uh, we, we see the seas. Uh, Lord, we want, we're, we're earning for your rivers of life. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yep, now you hit stop recording, son. Thank you, son. Aiden, on this computer over here, the other computer, hit stop, go off air. Uh, yeah.